Hey guys, thanks again for tuning in to this week's episode of The Rise. If you haven't listened to my last episode, it's my part one interview with actress, producer, and writer, Ileana Guibert. We talk a little bit about the different hardships throughout her life that she's had to overcome in order to get to where she is today. We also go into a little bit about how she took a concept from the script of a page and actually brought it to worldwide distribution. We talk about her short film, Twice Upon a Time, that she's written, produced, gotten directed, starred in, and has worldwide distribution on iTunes, Google Play, and Amazon. Guys, you don't want to miss part two. Part two, we get in a little bit deeper. We get a little bit more uh, driven. We get a little bit more motivated. So I'm not going to waste any more of your time. If you guys are listening on your car stereo or you got your AirPods in, turn that shit up and let's get to it. Films podcast. This podcast is produced in the concrete jungle, in the Big Apple, in the city that don't sleep, in the city of dreams, produced in New York City and downloaded in over 11 countries worldwide. This is the podcast where we talk business, we talk industry, we talk shit, we motivate, and we get things done. Welcome to the rise. I love how I love how you just took the plunge. You know what I mean? I love how you just, you, you saw an opportunity where, you know, there was obviously a significant life change for you. You had just lost your job or had been laid off. You saw an opportunity, not a guarantee, but an opportunity. And you, you decided to just throw caution to the wind and, and, and jump in head first and finally take life by the reins and pursue what it is you've always wanted to pursue since you were seven years old and saw West Side Story. <laughs> and, I you think know, that that's awesome. Thing is, a lot of people say, oh, my God, that was so courageous. And I, to this day, don't feel like it was a courageous thing because right. I feel like I was doing it and I had a safety net. My safety net was, if this doesn't work, I know what I can do. I what I've been doing all my life. I'll just go run a sales team or be a sales rep for someone. So I I had a backup plan, and I knew that, you know, all right, so if this doesn't work or if I don't like it or if it's, you know, a weird business that just doesn't call to me and I don't have a passion for it, then um, I'll just go do the other thing because I was good at the other thing and I liked it. It's not that I didn't like my job. I did, and I loved, certainly love the people. I miss That's what I miss the most about my, my corporate days is the people. I miss my team. I miss going into an office every day and having the banter and having meetings and, you know, I miss that. I miss that and I miss strategizing and sitting there saying, okay, so how do we figure this out and this client, why are we having a difficult time with them and let's put our heads together, let's brainstorm. I miss that tremendously. Being well, you know what the, can be very lonely. Yes, it can. And that's what I was saying before, like finding a solid group or a network or a community yeah, as you put it right. to, fall, to fall back on is very rare in this business. And, you know, we were all very fortunate to do, to, to kind of form that with one another between the four of us. And, you know, you, you were just talking about strategizing and, and, you know, we sat down a couple of times, you, Freddie and myself, um, you know, for, for something I had written and, and kind yeah. of picked it apart. And, and, you know, like, you are very good at, at strategizing. You're very good at taking point. You're very good at breaking things down. You're very good at dissecting things. And, um, you know, in our case, it was finding a simpler way, you know, even if it meant, um, you know, doing away with the location that particular scene had been written in uh, while still carrying along the importance of, of that scene. So you are you very good at strategizing, which is probably why you were such uh, a strong producer. I mean, that, that's that's what a producer does, and and yeah, that, well, that's you have a very telling me. 
Yeah. You definitely do have a very strong producing side to you. You know, your brain does just work that way. Yeah, I'm lucky. I'm very lucky. You are. You are very lucky. What do you continue to do for yourself, Ileana? Like, what is it you continue to do for yourself in order to keep moving forward in this crazy business? Well, it's always, you know, about, it's, you know, I go to an audition and, you know, and, and don't get me wrong, I prepare and I give it my all. And, you know, giving it your all doesn't mean that it was your best, but maybe it was your best at that moment. Because, you know, sometimes stuff happens. We can curse on this show, right? Yeah, absolutely. Happens. It should happen. <laughs> we can <laughs> curse, right? It should, should happen. Yes, FCC is not going to regulate us. Yeah, fuck it. Say what you want. <laughs> Yeah, so, yeah, so shit happens, and, you know, you maybe, you know, maybe today you had a full day at work, and so you didn't have time to memorize those lines as well yes. as you wanted to, and so Absolutely. when you go into that audition, or you have to do a self-tape, you have to give it the best that you can, given what you were able to do today, and again, sadly, you know, most of the times we get these auditions the day before, and you know, unfortunately, most of us are not sitting home twiddling our thumbs waiting for those auditions. We're working. We're, you know, I mean, yes, sometimes we are sitting home, but for the most part, most of us are working. Yeah. So it's not like I can say that, you know, you, you can't go in and just tell your boss, oh, listen, I'm, i got to take four hours off so I can go memorize this thing and go figure out how I'm going to self-tape it. No, you have to finish your work, whatever that is, and then go and do what you have to do. It's but, speaking yeah, of so. So to answer your question about, so what do I do to keep moving forward? You know, you continue to go to auditions. You continue to explore what's right for you, you know, because things change as you grow. So maybe these roles that you were interested in doing, maybe now you've covered that and you're ready to move on to something else. You're ready to move on maybe to different kinds of roles or a different level. You know, maybe you started out doing, you know, the one-liners and you say, okay, so now how do I get to those parts that I get you know, four or five lines, or I get ten lines, or I have a whole scene, or how do I get to those roles where I have two scenes? How do I get to those roles where I'm the recurring, you know, character, or I'm the series regular, or I'm the lead, you know, whatever it is. So it's, you're always moving forward, and even when you get the lead, you're always having to move forward. It never really stops. Nobody sits back and just sits there and, you know, yes, do things come to the stars? Of course, they're sitting there and they get offers. But let me tell you, they're getting multiple offers, and they have to sit there and they have to decide. They have to strategize and calculate and figure out which which role is the right role for me, given where I am in my career or where I am in my personal life. You know, maybe I don't want to be away from the kids in South Africa shooting this thing on the other continent, you know, because my kid's only five years old. So they have decisions that they have to make, too, and they have to be pragmatic. So it doesn't end. It really doesn't. So constantly we're moving forward. You're going to auditions. You're, you know, cultivating relationships. You're learning the business, you know, and then maybe you're venturing out. Maybe you are interested in writing. Maybe you're interested in producing. Maybe you're interested in editing. But you're constantly learning. We're going to be sponges for the rest of our lives. The minute you stop being a sponge, you shrivel up and die. Well, you shrivel up and die if you allow yourself to shrivel up and die. Right. That's why you have to keep you have to keep sucking up that sponge and learning and doing and being engaged and active and and if it's not you acting, maybe now you become a teacher and maybe now you're teaching people, you know, the mistakes you made and you're teaching them your successes and so there's always something else to be doing. Or maybe now you're at that age where you say, you know what, screw this whole thing. I am now going to relax and I'm going to you know teach my grandchildren and enjoy my grandchildren. And I'll do community theater every once in a while, or I'll do, you know, whatever. I'm going to write a book. But you're doing something. Doing something, right. And that's the important thing. That's the important thing is to continue to stay creative and and stay sharp, you know. I mean, that's why, what do we do? We continue to take acting classes. You know, we've all been doing this for a certain amount of years. We're probably not learning anything new that we didn't learn three, four, five, ten years ago, but it's about staying sharp. It's about staying creative. It's about, yeah. you know, staying I mean, in touch with what it is we love, no matter how we choose to do it, whether it's through writing or it's through producing or directing or or acting in and of itself. You know, it's when you lose sight of all of that is when you just shrivel up and die. Yeah. And it's like, I mean, think about people like um, musicians or um, or athletes. 
I mean, they're constantly working on their instrument. So the athlete, his instrument is physical. He has to or she has to stay in shape. They have to keep, you know, jumping those hoops and throwing that ball and swinging that ball or, or kicking or right. whatever it is that their, their sport is. And the same thing with the musician. If he or she is not at that piano or at that bass working it and, and tweaking it and figuring out how do I make this sound smoother, better, how do I make right. it faster, how do I make it slower, how do I, you know, bring in the emotion better than I did last year when I did this performance. They're constantly doing that. They're constantly tuning their instrument. So for us, it's the same thing. It's mm-hmm. just it's harder because people take it for granted because, oh, it's just acting. But you know what? It's when you see somebody who's brilliant and you see people who are not, you can tell the difference. And as easy as it looks, that's when you know it's brilliant because they make it so easy. Now, granted, sometimes, you know, somebody's just playing themselves and you say, oh, my God, that was brilliant acting. And then what you find out is that that's just them playing themselves. But that's not the norm. The norm is when you see something brilliant, it's because they're brilliant actors. It's because they fine-tune that instrument. And every once right. in a while, you're true that, you know, you just have somebody who's blessed, who's just born that way, just like somebody who plays, you know, piano brilliantly. And you're like, how does this kid do this? He's five years old. He doesn't even know how to, you know, he's two years old, doesn't even know how to read yet, and he can play this piano. But those those are not, that's not the norm. So we have to well, bust our asses. We have to work. We got to bust our asses, right? We got to bust our asses. You're absolutely right. You know, and, and and that's why I appreciate so many, um, so many of the actors like uh, Dustin Hoffman and Al Pacino, who actually immerse themselves into their characters. Uh, Joaquin Phoenix and Christian Bale in our generation, who actually immerse themselves in their characters. Look at Joaquin Phoenix and Walk the Line. You know, he had to learn to sing and play the guitar in order to bring this character to life, because that's what we do. We bring characters to life, you know, and it's not just, not everybody knows how to play a guitar. Not everybody knows how to sing. Not every, look at Bradley Cooper, you know, and that's what we do. We tell a story, we bring things to life, and we remove ourselves from the norm in order to do so. What, um, are you big on social media, Ileana? What is your take um, on social media? What is your take on social media and our business? Like, do you, you know, some people I talk to say that they go hand in hand, which, you know, I do believe. And others say that social media ruins it for us. What is your take on that? I, I'm interested. No, I don't, think, I don't think social media ruins anything. I think there's a place for it, a very big place in our industry. And unfortunately, some of it just has to do with things that have nothing to do with the actor or their skill. Um, you know, you go into a job and they want to know how many followers you have. And so that's all about they want to know how many followers you have because they want to know that when you post something, they've got XYZ eyeballs on their product, right. which happens to be a show or it happens to be a a movie or whatever it is. So, you know, but that's business. That's just business. And, um, you know, I don't think that as an actor, you know, you, you're wrong if you don't want to do the social media thing. I think, you know, I don't think it's something that you, you have to do. Is it important? I think it can be important. I mean, it definitely has its place, and I think it has some value. And, you know, so am I big on it? I'm not as big as I sh- probably should be. Or as I'd like to be, it's, you know, again, it's another thing that takes up time. And it's about figuring out, well, how do I incorporate this into my daily routine? And I'm not savvy enough to understand how to quite do that. You know, but I do have followers. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Twitter. My Twitter is more about, it's not really about me. It's more about charities that I support or charities that I've heard of or other people's work. Um, Facebook and, and Instagram are really more about the work or about, um, you know, something that I just worked on. You know, I very rarely post things about my personal life. I don't post like, oh, you know, I was just at a birthday party or, you know, I just did this with my daughter. You know, I don't usually post about things like that. Um, But, I mean, I'll post about a great hotel that I stayed at or I'll post about, you know, something, you know, behind the scenes thing or my Mm -hmm. most recent post on Instagram is, for something that I'm not even involved in, and a few people thought I was because because of the fact that I posted about it, which was I did a little promo spot for um, Ford versus Ferrari, which is a new movie that comes out November 4th, 15th. 
I loved this movie. Um, and in my post, I say, you know, oh, you know, remember last year, last October, when I told you about Green Book? Well, we all know how that ended, you know, blah, blah. Yes, I saw that. I saw your, your, so I saw your, I posted, your, your skit. Yeah, so I posted about Ford versus Ferrari because I think it was brilliantly executed at every level. Yeah. I think it's a must-see, and it, you don't have to be a car, race car fanatic or a speed demon, as I say in the little clip. But, you know, <laughs> so, again, there's a perfect example of me, but it's tied to the entertainment industry. Right. So and did you write that? Did that you I write that, Ileana? Did you write that? Did you write that review that you gave and that... that oh, uh, no, so, so the little part that I say where I talk about what the movie's about, where I say, oh, yes. you know... No, I got that off of that's that's what they that's how they promote the movie. So I said, gotcha. you know what? Let me use their language because I liked sure. it. I read it and I liked it and I said, you know, so in short, the movie's based on the true story of American car designer Carol Shelby and British car racer Ken Miles and how they battle corporate interference and the the laws of physics and their personal demons to create this incredible revolutionary car for Ford that goes on to win Le Mans not once, not twice, not three times, but four times, beating out their arch rival, Ferrari. And that's really what it says. Or, you know, maybe I changed the word here or two, but that's what it says. And I thought, no, I really like that. It says everything that I want to say. It tells people who don't know the story. I mean, I think a lot of people know the story. I knew the story, but I'm also a car person. Um, but I know who Ken Miles is, and I know what right. happened to Ken, and I know about his volatile, you know, uh, personality, and I knew about mm -hmm. Carol Shelby. In fact, I wore my Shelby T-shirt because I, saw I that. wore my Shelby T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny. People are like, "How do you know about cars?" But I do. I do like cars. I do like cars. You go to you go to car shows and like. Uh, you know, like how all the towns have like their annual car shows, and it's all of these like yeah, SSs yeah, and like Camaros, and yeah. I have to credit my my um, someone in my past who he's the one that introduced me to cars like that because he mm -hmm. is a big car guy, and he mm -hmm. would go to the car shows, and I would you know come along, and that's how I got introduced to it. And I was like, this is like a great little world. And I don't sure. do much of it now without him, but I still have a great passion for it, and. If there is something going on, if I have time, I hop in and I'm like, yeah, I want to check out what they're doing. And it's mostly older cars. It's not right. it's not necessarily right. the exotic cars, although I love the sure. exotic cars too. I've even so done you, like with go ahead. No, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. You've you've even no, done. Yeah, I was going to say I like the exotic cars as well. I have you know a couple of neighbors that have some really cool exotic cars. Um, so I like those too, but I like the old muscle cars. I have a muscle car, in fact. I have an old um, Oldsmobile Cutlass 442 with a big block engine. It's a 1971 it's electric blue with a white stripe. I have a 71 because I can't afford a 70. A 70 is like out of my price range. It's so expensive. <laughs> <laughs> but I have a 71, and let me tell you, she's beautiful. <laughs> yeah, do you take it out a lot? Um, not as much as I'd like to, you know, sometimes I just kind of forget, you know, you're running out the door and then you're like, ah, oh, today's the perfect day. I should have taken her out. Should have taken her out today. She needs the air. But I, yeah, sometimes <laughs> I get busy or, you know, or, or I'm saying, no, you know, I'm doing some local errands, but then I'm running into the city and I would not drive her into the city. I wouldn't take no. her to the Lincoln Tunnel and have no, to deal with no. parking it somewhere. Yeah, yeah. You keep no, those cars. It's really you take them to car shows. You you drive them locally, and it's and that's right. really what they're about. They're a little Sunday driver is what they are. Yeah. You drive yeah. Them locally, no, I agree. You take them to car shows. That's what they're for. You do not want to take that into the city. It'll get all banged no, up and no, ruined. No. No, and you don't want to take it on that kind of a long trip anyway. Especially me, because I don't know enough about cars. If something were to happen to her. You know, I'm not a car guy. I can't just, you know, pop the hood and say, oh, well, you know, the carburetor and the fuselage and the... <laughs> the fuselage. What's the thing from the um, back to the, the flux capacitor? Yeah, back yeah, to the yeah, future. yeah, exactly. <laughs> Get oh, more gas. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Oh God! Uh, so, what are you what are you doing right now? Like, what 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 is your 
at this point in your career, I know tomorrow you're leaving for Kansas City. Again, congratulations on that. That's awesome. Thank you. Uh, but what what is your goal now? Like, you you know, from what I know, from what I've known about you, you're somebody who likes to set mini goals for herself. And, yeah, you know, I have a lot of so, goals. Yeah. So what is your next mini goal? Like, what is that next thing you want to you wanna knock off the bucket yeah, list, so to speak, yeah, and make sure so that you accomplish yeah, it's not so many because it's to direct. I want to direct the next short. Um, so that's not so many. So that's one of the next goals. Another next goal is I'm writing the one-woman show, so I want to produce and and star in that one-woman show. So that's another – that's a big one. That's a big That's a big goal. Um, and that's – they're both slated for 2020. So 2020 has a lot of stuff cooking for me. It's those two projects that are my passion projects. Not to mention other things that I'm involved in that, you know, you do them and they're not really in my control because I'm not the producer of them, but um, but I'm involved in them. So you hope that, you know, that something comes of it. I have a – I did a, a play reading of a play called Burning House. Okay. And I am hoping that we get to do that piece in, um, I think it's January or February. If if we get to do it, it would be January or February. And, of course, you know, you're, you're doing the reading of it. That doesn't necessarily guarantee you that you're going to be the one that they cast to do it. So my fingers are crossed that, you know, that they like me enough and that, you know, it's not even about liking you because did they like me? Of course they did. And, you know, we got along well and everything. But it's about, you know, am I the right fit for the cast that they put together for the actual run of it? So we'll see. But that's one thing. And then I have awesome. um, a pilot that we just worked on called Foreign National, where I play the immigration attorney. And it's these are all episodes that will be based on a true story of immigrants and how they got here. Um, and uh, it's, you know, they're, 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 they're shopping it out. We'll see what happens. But it's a great story. It's really well done. It's a great story. And I love my character. She only comes in at the very end of this episode, of this pilot episode, because it's all really okay. about this, um, this, um, oh my God, what do you call the guys who, um, I'm drawing a blank. Oh my God, he's the lead. Um, not customs, immigration. He's, uh, he works, he's an immigration ICE. guy. ICE. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Ice. He's an ICE agent. And, you know, so he, he, he's grappling with, you know, is he doing the right thing? Is, is this too much? It's, so he's on that sense of he's really torn because he's met this family that lives next to him. And, you know, so this whole story follows him and this family and what's going on in his head. And then he meets this immigration attorney. And when he first meets her in the beginning of the episode, he just, you know, she's putting up posters and he kind of gives her the dirty looks of, you know, you're helping these people because she, she is. She's putting up the posters to, to offer her assistance. And then in the end, when he sees her again and she drops, you know, one of the, her stack of posters, of flyers, he comes running over and helps her and introduces himself. But she doesn't know who he is. He knows who she is because, you know, there's her picture and her number and her name and everything on the flyer. And it's not until the second and third episodes that we find out that she finds out who he is. But then and you know, here you have this ICE agent and this immigration attorney. So it's it, it, it makes for a great it, – it's – it makes for a great story. It really does. And, and especially because each episode then touches on different families. So it could be a family from Mexico. Then the next one could be someone from Germany and someone from Greece and someone from Cuba. And so it touches all these different places, Syria, Iran, all, all, all it's global. It's global. And when, when did, and you filmed that already? We did it already. It's already been to a bunch of festivals. It's won some okay. awards. Yeah, so nice. it's, um, you know, and now they're just doing their thing to, you know, try to sell this idea. Yeah, I've been and fortunate to be, to be a part of some really interesting projects, and that's one of them. And, you know, eventually, it's like anything else. You know, you have to have a lot of things in the funnel, and that's one of the things I learned from my corporate days is in sales, I would, you know, you tell your sales team and you tell yourself as a sales rep, that you better put a lot of things in the funnel because the funnel gets small at the bottom because you lose things. 
either they went with somebody else because you were too tall, you were too fat, you you know they just liked somebody better, right? Or you weren't your eyes were brown instead of blue. There's so many right. There's so many factors yeah. that have nothing to do with you personally or nothing to do with your audition. And sometimes it is, and sometimes it isn't. But you just better have a lot of things in the funnel, and that's the hardest. When when people talk to me about like people in my corporate life talk to me about you know, what's so, oh, it must be so hard to memorize those lines. I'm like, sweetheart, that's the easiest part of my job. The hardest part of my job is finding opportunities. That is the hardest part of my job as of right now in the, at the level that I'm at. That is the hardest part of my job is finding those opportunities for a shot to audition. I'm not even talking about booking the job. I'm not talking about now I have it and I have to memorize lines. I'm talking about just finding out about the job. That is the most challenging part of my job right now. It really is. It really is. Finding out the auditions and the people to contact is really the hardest part. It really yeah, is. It's not like getting it's to the audition, right, getting to the audition and memorizing your lines and being in front of the people that the decision makers as you, you I mean, audition. Is, that, is it scary? Is it challenging? Yes. And, you know, you've got to squeeze it into, like I was saying earlier, you know, they called you, you know, last night and the yeah. audition tomorrow at 12. And you're like, all right, right so now i got to figure out my schedule, how to move things around the schedule because I made commitments for tomorrow, but now i got to do this audition. And, by the way, I have to memorize this thing, but I'm not getting home till 11 o'clock at night. So now I have to stay up till 3 in the morning or 2 in the morning trying to memorize this thing or at least feel really good about it. Right. So that I can perform right. it because, you know, it's then now you got to put the emotions into it. So, um so, yeah, for me, that is the hardest part of my job. It's finding opportunities. In the corporate sector, you know, you can approach people and you it's much easier. I'm not saying that you can't approach people in our industry, but it's much easier. You know, I can look up IBM and find out, oh, well, who's human resources? If I want a job there, who do I send my resume to? That doesn't happen with our industry. You can't just look it up and, you know, can you find people that way? Sure. But that's it's a needle in a haystack. It's a needle in a haystack. There's lots of gatekeepers. There are lots of uh, force fields, but you just have to learn yeah. how to navigate and break through the force fields and maybe leverage one relationship that can open a door for you, even if it's a little door, to get your foot in there so that you can say, okay, now i got my foot in there. Now I can talk to that person, and now I have that person's information. I can send them something. And that's the other thing. Just because you send somebody something doesn't mean they're going to see it. But you you do what you can, and if that's all you can do, you you were fortunate enough to have somebody's email or somebody's address because someone gave it to you or you found it somewhere or you connected with them at an event and they were kind enough to give you their business card. But just because you email them doesn't mean that now you're going to be able to cultivate a relationship with them. So it's hard. Right. It's really that's it, the hardest part of the job. I agree with you. I agree with you. But – you know, once you get over the hardest part of the job and you make some headway and you get your foot in the door, it's also the most rewarding. Oh, absolutely. And yeah. I feel like a little bit of that is starting to happen for me, just a little bit. Like I'm seeing little things here and there. All of a sudden, you know, I go to an event and, and I, was in, I was at an event just two nights ago. And I'm at this event and um, I'm sitting at the table of a Broadway producer. And mm -hmm. lovely event. It was really magnificent. And while I'm there, I end up meeting two other people who are, and those are the only people, she was the only person I knew. But then as it turns out, when I was there, this couple that I know was also there. They're, they're big theater goers. They're not in the business, but they're huge theater goers, and they're big supporters right. of the arts. And I ran into them. So it was nice to see a familiar face. Um, but I ended up meeting two or three other people while I was there. One happens to be a writer for Law & Order. One happens to be a, an, uh, another theater producer. So, you know, and again, doesn't mean that, that we're going to get work together or that, you know, that we're going to get a chance to work together, but it's just another connection that you get to make and you just don't right. know down the road. It could be five years from now. It could be 10 years from now. And it's that, that's the, maybe you bring something to the table because who knows where I'm going to be 10 years from now? I may be able to say, oh, you know, so-and-so is writing for Law and Order. She used to, I met her when she was writing for Law and Order and now she's writing you know, she's making these huge movies, and she needs this, and I know this actor who's perfect, or I know this right. director who would be perfect for that project, and I can make an introduction. 
and that's you know, and to be able to reach behind you and pull somebody up with you is probably the most rewarding yeah, part of this business. Yeah. And guess what? We can do it at any level because you know, you're starting out and maybe this is only your first year, but what about the guy behind you who's just starting out and it's their first day? So you can be a mentor to that person because you have a year ahead of them. I have seven years ahead of some people. So I've I've learned so much in my seven yes. years. But then there's people behind me who've been doing it, you know, for 30 years. That's right. the thing, too. In my age group, almost everybody's been doing it 30 years or more. So I kind of feel like, oh, my God, I am such a newbie compared to these people who've been doing it. So sometimes I walk into something. Like when I auditioned for Law & Order, I walked in and I said, I feel like I'm the only actor who's never who hasn't done this show. And the casting director laughed and said, no, there's a few. <laughs> but I felt that way. I felt like every actor in yeah. New York, if, you know, you're not a real actor until you've done Law & Order almost. It felt that's, that that's what they say. So, that's what they so say. people have been on that show that I either know or I've run into or that I know casually. So luckily now I can put a feather yeah. in my cap that I've done that show. <laughs> I've auditioned. I've only auditioned for that show three times in 20 years. I've only had three auditions. At least you got uh, three auditions in. I've only two, auditioned two, one time. Two with a callback, and I've never booked. I've never. I am the only actor in New York who's never been on one of us. <laughs> but listen, you you just keep you just keep at it. You just keep at it. And you know what? Again, there's so many shows. I just use that as an example because for me it was funny that I just felt like, oh my god, everybody I know has done this show. <laughs> Um, so we're going to wind the podcast down now. Um, but before we do, Ileana, what advice could you give um, anybody out there listening who, you know, not necessarily wants to get – okay, who maybe wants to get into show business, but who, more importantly, has this dream and aspiration that they feel is larger than life that they don't know how to go about chasing? Um, I think the biggest advice that I can give is to not look at the big picture. Yes, I mean, yes, you have to have the big picture in the back of your head, but it can be daunting because if you look up and you say, oh, my God, look at this crazy mountain I have to climb and I only have this one stick. So don't look at it that way. You have to take it in chunks and you have to make little mini goals for yourself. So if you say that you want to, you know, you want to do – you want to be on a television show. Okay, so make a list of the things that you need to do to get on that television show or any television show. You know, it's taking class. It's making sure you have a reel. It's making sure you have decent pictures. It's making sure you're, you're training and you're keeping your instrument fine-tuned so that when you do get that audition, you're ready for it. Because that's right. the other thing. That, that would suck for you to get the opportunity, but you weren't ready. So be ready. Um and then just, again, you should have to have many goals, just like anything else. If, I mean, if you wanted to lose weight, you would set goals for yourself. You say, okay, I have to exercise. I have to get rid of all the bad food in my house. I have to eat healthy. I have to, you know, so you make a list. And it's right. the same thing with this. This is no different than any other goal that you set out for yourself. But it can be daunting. So you have to start with the little goals. Just set little goals for yourself. And then the other thing is to set dates. Because if you set a date that you want something accomplished, that puts a little fire under your ass. Like yep. for me, I said 2020 is going to – so 2020 is my year to do my short that I direct, and it's also the year that I want to do my um, one-woman show. So in March, I'm setting a, a set aside a date for my one-woman show to do a reading of it where I'm going to invite certain guests in the industry and just have a reading of it. Because I want to hear it out loud and I want to get feedback from people about what works, what doesn't work, what do they understand, what needs more explanation. So, again, me putting that date on the calendar puts fire under my ass that I have to get this done because I'm going to be inviting right. people to come see this. So that's those no. are two things, is to make a list and just check that off. And every day, if every day you do one little thing that helps move your career forward, whether that's I studied a monologue today. And then, you know, with each day maybe or with each month, maybe for five months, every day you do one little thing. And then after five months you realize, you know what, I could up this and I could do more than just one little thing. I'm going to do one little thing and one medium thing. You know, so maybe it's taking class. Maybe it's going to these pay-to-play things where you, 
get to do a monologue showcases. for a casting director. Yeah. Showcases. Um, no, I think yeah. that's very good advice. And that's, you know, and that's all. You have to, but have a strategy. That's my biggest thing is have a strategy. Believe in yourself. Don't, don't pay attention to what other people are doing. It doesn't matter that so-and-so's been doing it less time than you and booked that and you didn't. You have to focus on you. Well, and I think so. I think, focus on you. And, and what I liked about your advice was the whole goals thing, because I think so many people who try to chase their dreams in general, let alone try and get into the business we uh, chose to try to get into, I think so many people um, get too overwhelmed uh, and, 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 and becoming so overwhelmed. Because, it's, because get, it is, because it's overwhelming. It is overwhelming. Yeah. And, and, and in becoming so overwhelmed, they kind of just sit back and and, and wait for and wait right and wait for things to maybe possibly someday come to them and it just doesn't work that way you know and and I like the the whole thing about setting goals is you know I I love the idea of setting set set yourself short goals with a date because now the fire's lit under your ass okay I got three weeks to make this happen you know and you know, another another thing too is because sometimes some of us need more motivation I know I realize this with us as actors or people in the arts where we kind of work by ourselves. You don't have an office. So you don't have a right. boss that's bleeding down your throat that says, hey, where's that report? I need it by tomorrow. But if you, if you set yourself up with a little team and you guys make yourselves accountable, it all depends. Everybody has a different personality. You might be the guy or the girl that needs that kind of push, that you need yes. somebody that's going to hold you accountable. And it means that every Sunday yeah. night, you guys are on the phone checking in like, all right, what did you, did you mm -hmm. get off your ass this week? What did you do this week for your career? Or, you know, if it's, if it's a diet thing, you want to eat healthier. Okay, so you get with your buddy on Sunday night and you're like, all right, time to confess. What shit did you eat this week? Oh, you did good. You didn't do that. Okay, good. And if you didn't do what you were supposed to do, you know, that buddy should be there to be tough on you, but also to motivate you and to encourage you. And to say, listen, it doesn't matter what you did last week. Let's forget it. Let's not, come on, start from scratch. Starting is the minute I get off the phone, you're going to go do, you know, you're going to go run a lap and you're going to do this and you're going to do that. Or you're going to get off the phone and you're going to go study that monologue so that when you go to that audition next time, you're prepared. You got that monologue, get three monologues under your belt. Be ready. Be prepared. Absolutely. And it, it, it's all about commitment and it's all about just staying focused. You know, so many people lose their focus and lose their drive because they get discouraged or they're not where they think they should be. And, um, and because it's just, this career is very hard in that, yeah. you know, you can be very distracted. It's very easy to be distracted because, again, you're not sitting in an office with a bunch of people that are all driving in the same direction. It's not. I'm telling you because I've loved, now that I've lived on both sides of the fence, I can tell you that that is the biggest thing, that to be in the arts, you have to be such a self-starter, so self-motivated. You have to yes. be so diligent and organized because you don't have a team that's relying on you. You're the team. So if you don't book that job, all right, you didn't book it. Now, granted, some people have families they have to feed, but maybe they have a job that helps with that. But what I'm saying for the creative outlet, it's very easy. It's very easy to be sitting home and looking out your window going, Oh, yeah, I'm studying these lines, but let me go pull those weeds. Oh, wait, what's going on back there? Let me clean that up. Oh, wait, let me vacuum. Oh, let me do a load of laundry. Oh, let me, oh, I want to watch that TV show. That doesn't happen at work. At the office, because you have people watching and you, because, you know, you, you're being held accountable. So it's a little bit yeah. harder in an office setting. And that's the beauty of working in a team. And that's one of the things I miss so much. Well, I mean... Yeah, but I also find for me, anyway, that's a little bit restricting, you know, because now you're taking your focus away from the things you really love and really aspire to do and, and shift your focus to something somebody else needs you to do. Um, oh, no, no, no. I'm saying if, if that was your work, I'm saying, I'm, yeah. I'm oh, saying I got you. Okay. No, no, yeah. I'm saying just, yeah, I'm not saying for people in the acting and in, in the creative arts to be working in an office. I'm saying I miss that whole thing of being accountable, of having a structure. That's what it is. It's about a structure. Yes. You come in at 9 o'clock, 
You know that from 9 to 10, there's a sales meeting, and then you know that from 10 to 12, you have calls to make and you have emails to return. You know yep. at 12 o'clock you're breaking for lunch. Maybe you only take a half hour because you don't have, because you're cut, you know, you're short of time. But there's, there's, a, there's, there's a schedule and you're adhering to the schedule. When you're an actor, it's like all of a sudden, well, I'm going to go sit in the park. Oh, I'm going to go walk the dog. Oh, I'm going to, you know, go see my friends. Oh, I'm going to go have coffee. You know, yeah. and, and all of a sudden seven hours went by and you did diddly squat for your career. You didn't, you didn't study a monologue. You didn't sit at the piano and bang out, you know, that new song. You know, what did you do today for your career? Well, when you're in an yeah. office all day from 9 to 5 for the most part or 9 to 6, you're working. Maybe you're working for someone else, but you're working towards that, whatever that career is. Whether the group well, is yeah. yours or not, it's, it's about organization and about being diligent. And we need to be able to do that at home as an artist. It's not easy. It's really hard. It is really hard. But like I said, the reward is 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 leaps and bounds over the difficulty of getting there, you know? Oh, absolutely. Well, it's the only reason we do it. Because if it wasn't, nobody would be doing it. That taste, when you get that taste, whether it's you're on stage, and you could have 10 people in the audience or you could have 5,000 in the audience. The right. taste of that, of how that feels, of the creative process and how you worked for three weeks to put this show on and now you get to put it on. There is just such a high and such a an euphoria that you feel. And even going yes. on set and you're on set for 20 minutes and meanwhile you, they, they spent more time in the makeup room with you than you did on set. But then you see the finished product when you watch that episode that you were in. And it's it's magic. It really is magic. And that's the reason we do it. And this is, you know, nobody else puts up with as much as people in the arts put up with as far as how hard it is. I mean, one of the things I also tell people um, in my corporate, my corporate friends is that imagine if every day you had to go look for a job. That's basically what it is for us. Every day you're looking for a every job. Every day. You know, every I've never looked day. at it that way. But, yeah, can you imagine if you could just be like, oh, yeah, you know, and the only person that that happens for is somebody in a series. So somebody who's in a series and is a series regular, and they know that, you know, for four months straight, every day, they're working. And then they have their hiatus, and then they go back, or however many right. months it is. I don't even know how many months it is that people shoot for. But You know, it's so different now because, you know, back in the day, it was from September to May. And there were 20-some-odd episodes a season. Now you have oh, all these all short the seasons, yeah. 10 episodes, 8 episodes, 13 episodes. Five episodes and a, even, yeah. Five episodes, and there's a fucking year and a half in between seasons now. Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy how much the business has changed. But you're absolutely right. We, sh we, we, we struggle and strive to look for work every day. I, I, I never looked at it like that, to be honest with yeah, you. Yeah, it's every day you're looking for work. It's exhausting. This is why people have burnout and this is why people get discouraged because that can be so exhausting and so daunting that, you know, okay, great, I got that job. And then and then you think about how much it costs you to get that job. When you start doing the math, you say, wait a minute, this makes no sense because it's like, how much did I spend to get here and how much am I making? So sometimes that can be discouraging too, which is, again, why people, you have to love it. Because you can't be doing it for money. If you're doing it for money, you're going to be in trouble. I mean, yeah, you might get lucky and you might make a lot of money, but you better be doing it for the love. And then hopefully the money will also be there to support the love. But, um, <laughs> but it's costless between, between, you know, pictures and going to auditions. Yeah. And now you got to go self-tape yourself. And maybe, you know, you're, you're paying somebody to read the other lines and, you know, and it, and you add it all up, and it's a fortune. And if you if you live outside the city and you have to drive in, I mean, I'll drive in for a five-minute audition, and it'll cost me $40 to have to park my car somewhere. That's, and I mean, the other day I had... $40. Absolutely. I live outside the city. I live an hour and a half outside the city. The other day I had an audition. Uh, I had to drive 30 minutes to the train. I had to pay to park, park the car at the train station. I had to take the train into Grand Central. And, you know, then I had to pay for the train back upstate get in the car, spend more money on gas. It, it, it probably cost me about the same. And I was in the room all the six minutes. Yeah. 
Yeah. Same thing. Six minutes if you were lucky, yeah. Because if you're lucky, right. Be six minutes long, right? So it was three minutes waiting and, and a minute for the scene. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. You were in the waiting room right. for three minutes. You're right about that. And then you, you, well, it's really probably three minutes in the lobby desk getting past security. Two minutes in the waiting area, they, one they minute in the audition. Security takes longer, <laughs> yeah, than anything yeah. else, right? Than the audition, right, right, right. Yeah, than the audition. <laughs> well, but again, listen, if you love it, you're golden. If you love it, you're golden. You have to love it. You, you have, have to, to love it. it. There's no you other way. Not, I mean, the, the only way, the only way to survive this business without having the love or the passion for it is to have a golden ticket that gets you to the front of the line where you get to just hop right over all the bullshit that we go through. Yeah, okay. You know, well, good luck with that. Good luck with that. Right, exactly. <laughs> good luck so with that. You, you definitely got to love the business. Um, but listen, Ileana, I want to thank you very much for being on this podcast. I wanted to have you on for a I wanted to have you on for a long time. Listening. Yeah, and anybody who's listening and wants more information or just wants to bounce ideas, you know, you can get to me through, you know, messenger me at Facebook or, you know, on Instagram. But, uh, but yeah, let's just stick together so that we can feed each other and push each other and because um, there's, there's work for everybody. There's a lot of work out there. We just have to nose to the grindstone and find it. Well, speaking of social media, what, what is your social media? How can people find you on Instagram and on Facebook? Um, so on Instagram, it's Ileana, I-L-I-A-N-A, period, Giver, G-U-I-B-E-R-T. And then on Facebook, it's again Ileana, I-L-I-A-N-A, Giber, G-U-I-B-E-R-T. But then in, on Facebook, there's a dash, and then it's McGinnis, M-C-G-I-N-N-I-S. Awesome. And you also said you're on Twitter, so do you want to put your Twitter information up there? Um, yeah, Twitter. Now I'm trying to remember. Twitter is again Ileana Giber. Awesome. And yeah, again, everything, every... everything is Ileana Giber. <laughs> And again, everybody, go to Amazon, go to iTunes, go to Google Play, look at Twice Upon a Time, spend a few dollars, watch it, it's 13 minutes, it's not a large commitment of your time, but you'll be glad you did because it's a very moving, very compelling, very powerful story with an amazing message behind it. And again, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say the fucking ending is going to blow your mind and just make sure you watch it. And if you do, please comment on, you know, give us a good review if you like it and, and put in your comments. I'll be, I'll be reading that. And please, please, please follow Ileana on Instagram. Follow her on Facebook. Keep up to date with everything she's doing. She is one of the very fortunate ones that continues to keep herself busy, whether it's through her own creativity or relationship she has built. So make sure you follow her career. Follow her journey. Uh, she's an inspiration, she's an amazing talent, and she's a, a wonderful friend and collaborator. And thank you again very much, Ileana, for oh, coming on the show. Thank you. This was so oh. much fun. Thank you. <laughs> You're very welcome. You know what I want to do one of these days is uh, I want to rent a studio in the city, and I want to reach out to Freddie and Mike, um, and the four of us sit down and do a podcast episode. All four oh, of us on the same episode. Fun. That would be a lot of fun, don't you think? Yes, it would. I'll put that together. I'll, I'll, I'll touch base with Freddie and Mike and see if we can do it. Bring you some buco. The viola some buco. I don't know what the rest I, of us are going to eat, but I'll bring you some Yeah, yeah. I don't know what we're going to eat either. We'll figure it out as we go. Uh, but thank you again, Ileana. I really appreciate it. I appreciate your time. Oh, this was so much fun. Like, it was so so much of a pleasure. Thank you. This has been a Biagi Films produced podcast.